0: Good morning, church. Grateful you're here today. Um, I especially want to thank today the uh, the young men and women, the teenagers who led our worship uh, last week. I think that's incredible. That's awesome. Um, I don't think there was one mistake that was made, not that I saw, and not that we're striving for perfection, but I know I sometimes make mistakes. I know Jerome sometimes makes mistakes, but I didn't see one mistake by the teenagers, so um, I don't know, Jerome, maybe we should be afraid. Um, Today we're going to be in the book of Philippians, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is this little book that just oozes with joy. There's four chapters in Philippians, and all four chapters have joy in them. In fact, 17 times Paul mentions joy in the four chapters of Philippians. He says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Funny. Because these particular Christians at the city of Philippi probably felt like they didn't have much to rejoice about. I mean, if you read the book of Philippians, it kind of sounds like the church is having a hard time. They're being opposed for their faith. They're suffering. I think probably a couple of them have been thrown in jail because of their faith. Paul himself, when he writes the letter of Philippians, is in jail. Doesn't sound like a very joyful environment to me. Sounds more like depressing. Sad. Sad seems like a time to be fearful, not joyful. But Paul says, rejoice. The, uh, the salvation, the joy of their salvation in Philippi had faded. Now, they're in trouble. Paul is told how church members are arguing and complaining, but he has a solution. Because the church is in danger. In danger of disunity. In danger of breaking apart. Very troubling time. Maybe you could say it's their time in the desert. These Philippian Christians are going through the deserts And this church at Philippi had some wonderful people in it. Very caring and compassion, compassionate. Compassionate. This church was probably the most generous church of all the churches at the time, even though they weren't wealthy. But even churches with wonderful people are in danger of arguing, complaining, disunity, and breaking apart. Even perfectly healthy churches are in danger of these things because perfectly healthy churches are full of people whose faith really matters to them. And they're passionate. And they're enthusiastic. And a lot of times you get these people together and it kind of, it's more of a collision than a marriage. So when things aren't going so right, when there's persecution and you got members in jail, just imagine how chaotic it must have been. you got people with different ideas on what to do. There's people walking away. And it's a chaotic scene. They're in danger of disunity. So in Philippians chapter 2, Paul has a solution that he writes from prison. And I want to keep, want you to keep a couple things in mind now as we read Philippians chapter 2. Remember that Paul writes corporately to the church. When he says these words, he's writing to everyone, the church, all together. Not just a couple individuals, but everybody. And remember, these are the Apostle Paul's words here. These aren't my words so listen carefully as we read Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 and you'll see a couple underlined capitalized words if then there is any encouragement in Christ if any consolation of love if any fellowship with the spirit if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way having the same love United in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in consider others as more important as yourself. Everyone should look out not only for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. Here Paul is saying that whatever you get from your relationship with Christ, Whatever you get from that. The love that you get from Christ. The fact that Christ calls you a brother in fellowship. That should reflect into your relationships at church. Whatever you get from Christ, that should reflect out into church. That same love Jesus showed you. That same affection. That same mercy. That should spill out into our relationship here at Heartland. So what is true vertically of your relationship with God should also be true horizontally with your relationships at Heartland. So, let me ask you a question. How regularly do you check the tire pressure in your tire? Probably not as often as you should but well, you know how it's done, right? You have this tire gauge and it's got this, these numbers on this rod that comes out of the cylinder. And you take off the valve stem cap and you press the gauge onto the tire and you get this little this sound, right? Good sound. PSI for this tire is about 40 seems about right for this tire, I think. I'm not a mechanic, but that seems about right. Now, if your pressure in your tire is a little low, what do you do? You go to the air compressor and you put some more air in that tire, right? That's the responsible thing to do. Otherwise, there are consequences. There are consequences. Because if, if your tire is too low, it's not going to function like its manufacturer designed it to function. Right? And you're at risk for a blowout. Which could even cause a nasty wreck. There are some tremendous consequences to not checking the air in your tire. Okay? Now listen up. Listen closely, church. What if I told you that there was a special gauge, just like this one. And when you hold it up to yourself, it will tell you what kind of a relationship you have with Christ. Would you want that gauge? Well, there is a gauge like that, just like this one. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Look no further than your relationships with one another here at Harvest. Because your relationships here at Heartland are a direct indicator of your relationship with Christ. A direct indicator. So when you think of your relationships here at Heartland, do you think like-mindedness? We have the same goals. have the same mission. Does that same love that Christ showed you come to mind? How about mercy and affection and forgiveness? If those things don't come to mind, well, you might be a little low. might be a little low. According to Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says you might be a little low on humility. A little low on humility. And just like when you don't have enough air, in your tires, there's consequences to being a little low on humility. When you're low on humility, you're not going to function like your manufacturer designed you to function. And there's risk of a blowout which could lead to a wreck. That's how important it is. A little thing like humility. So you know, air and humility have a lot in common. Did you know that? You can fill a bucket completely up with air and it's empty, right? This bucket is full of air yet it's empty. How does that work? Well, the same thing with humility. When you fill yourself up with humility, it means you become completely empty. Weird, huh? How that works. But it's true. But this brings me to my next point, uh, to the next scripture that we have. Uh, We read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul's solution to disunity, and he continues. Now we're at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Still his solution to potential disunity. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus on a cross so Paul explains how Jesus completely fills himself up with humility by making himself empty now keep in mind that when Paul talks about Jesus and his characteristics he's not, he, his intent isn't intellectual or speculative he's talking practical things so theology and action are inseparable. Okay, a system of thought must become a way of life. So when Paul talks about Jesus' humility, he means for that to become a part of the follower of Jesus' life. Not just something to think about, "Wow, Jesus was really humble. that's great." No, that must also interact with or fill, must infiltrate. Our lives. Emptying oneself should be the way of life for the follower of Jesus. That's why Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important as yourselves. Everyone should look not only to the interests of themselves, but also to the interests of others. You might have noticed on your communication card and in the bowls and that's your memory version for this week and I don't know how many of you are memorizing these verses but this is a good one to memorize do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility consider others as more important than yourself that's a good one. so that's how Jesus acts that's how the follower of Jesus acts it's not just belief that humility is a good thing but it's behavior we should behave in a humble way. So the cool thing about air is that even though it is nothing and completely empty, when you put it in something like a set of tires, those tires can carry the weight of thousands of pounds. And they can take you for thousands of miles. The cool thing about humility is that when you put it into a set of human beings those human beings can carry the weight of all their burdens and together they can go farther than they ever imagined. There's this old Chinese proverb that I I don't think I'll ever forget says if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far Go together. Now a lot of people today want to go fast. And they go along. Because they can do things their way. And they don't have anybody standing in between them. And their goals and their dreams. And they can go fast. But here at Hartman. We're in the business of going far. And so we go together. I researched some tire company slogans. Um, Goodyear's slogan is more driven. Bridgestone. Your journey, our passion. Michelin. A better way forward. Now those are pretty good slogans, I would say, for a tire company. Now if Heartland Church of Christ was in the business of manufacturing tires, filling them up with air, and selling them, don't hear me wrong. In other words, if Heartland Church of Christ was in the business of making disciples and filling them up with humility, I think that our slogan would be this here. Going the distance. Together. Or, together we go far. Something like that. So from this scripture, in Philippians and others throughout the Bible we see that the supreme characteristics of Christ are humility obedience and self-renunciation humility, obedience, self-renunciation and time and time again we see in Scripture how the one who humbles himself will be exalted following the pattern of Christ And so for the follower of Jesus, the hallmarks should be humility, obedience, and self-renunciation. Selfishness, self-glorification, self-seeking, those things have no room in the kingdom of God. In fact, they completely destroy your relationships, which means they destroy your relationship with Christ. They're like nails in the tire. If you got nails in your tire, what do you do about it? You got to do something, right? You go down to the auto shop, you take care of it. If you got nails in your relationships, you can't just let that go. You got to take care of that because that's a big risk. You could risk blowout, you could risk a wreck. There are consequences to having nails in your relationship so today take a look at your life what do you see do you see humility obedience self renunciation or do you see selfish ambition conceits self-seeking self-glorification when you look at the, the gauge of your relationship with Christ What's it say? Does it say Gratitude Humility Forgiveness Does it say love Joy Peace Patience is way up there On there on that scale Kindness Goodness Faithfulness Gentleness Self-control Is that what it says? Or does it say Envy Gossip Slander, deceit, neglect, competition. Your relationships here at Heartland are, remember, they're a direct indicator of your relationship with Christ. It's that important. It is that important. So if the gauge doesn't look good, you got to do something about it. Maybe you need to Fill yourself up with humility. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to tell somebody I'm sorry. Maybe there's somebody here that you haven't hugged in so long. Yeah. I mean, that hug is way past due. Today's the day. Go up and give that person a hug. Go up and give that person a handshake. Let me tell you right now you are free to do that today. You're free to do that. You're free to love. You're free to forgive. You're free to be joyful. You're free to smile. I think that's what Paul is telling the Philippians. He's saying, when you got the options of love and forgiveness and joy available, why are you choosing bitterness and envy and selfishness? Because of Christ, you're free to love. And you're free to forgive. And you're free to be joyful. That seems like the better option to me. I don't know about you. Seems like the much better option. So you have my permission to be joyful and to love one another. Now if that doesn't mean much to you, you have the Apostle Paul's permission, more importantly. And you have Jesus's permission to love you are free to do. That. Well this morning, if you covet the church's prayers and you endeavor to fix those old tires in need of repair. maybe you got nails in your tire. Um, see me afterwards, See one of our elders? Let's talk about it. Let's dialogue about it. Maybe there's some, somebody here that you're like, "Man, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get along with that person." And we're just way too different. Well, that's a gauge of your relationship with Christ. And we need to at least start a dialogue about that. So you have our prayers. Um, If you need to be a Christian today, maybe that's what you came to church here for. Maybe you need to become a Christian. So whatever your need, we're going to sing an invitation song. You can come forward, see me or the elder accompanying me as we stand today.